Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. We live in a world certainly that lacks peace in many ways and in many places. There are places all over the world uh, full of conflict and full of fears and worries. And I was reading about uh, our country, the United States of America, of course, uh, starting in 1776. It was 240 years ago, and out of those 240 years, somebody went through every single year and, and uh, just tried to determine whether or not there was a war in, in a year or not, and, he, and according to his research, out of those 240 years, only 21 of those years had been without war. Out of those 240, it's been estimated that out of the 3,400 years of recorded history, only about 260 Eight of them were without war somewhere on this planet. Or if you want to think of it this way, for every 13 years of war, there will be one year of peace. And of course, today with uh, September 11th, uh, we remember 15 years ago. I don't know about you, but I remember exactly where I was. I didn't really have any of those moments in my life up until that moment. But I remember exactly where I was when uh, I was living in the Seattle area, so it was very early in the morning, and my mom waking me up, and I was kind of not really in it, and didn't really know what was going on, and to be honest, what she said to me didn't make sense, and so I thought, I don't really understand what she's saying, and I'm really tired, maybe when I'm a little more focused, I'll understand, and I, I woke up later and realized that what she had said was true, and, and you can see how there are others outside of our country who have a a mind to destroy the peace in our country. But you don't even have to look very long in the news to realize it's not just outside our country, but inside our country. And within our borders, there are people without peace and people with conflicts and people with wars. And you don't have to go very far to realize in our country, outside our country, today, tomorrow, next year, last year, we are in a world that lacks peace in many ways. And Even when we have peace, it seems so fragile. It seems to disappear and slip through our fingers so quickly. And and you find that people will do many different things in order to obtain that peace. You will find that they will pursue it in many different ways. Sometimes they'll try to buy the peace and they'll earn some money and buy some things and, and try to purchase peace that way. Or sometimes they'll bargain for that peace. All right, all right, there's a little bit of conflict here. Maybe if you do something and I'll do something and, and we'll try to make this whole thing work and Sometimes they even try to bully their way to peace. All right, I'm going to make everybody else do what I want them to do, and then it'll be peace and quiet, but that only works until you run out of money and until you run out of things to bargain with and until a bigger bully comes along. But God in this passage tells us how we can have true, lasting peace. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, we just read it. It says, and the peace of God, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. God is telling us in this passage how we can have peace, and and not just any kind of peace, the peace of God. And the difference between just any kind of peace and the peace of God is that the peace of God passes all understanding. It's a kind of peace that some people cannot understand. I don't understand how in this situation you can live in peace. I don't understand with these conflicts around you or in your situation how you could have peace, but God tells us if you have my peace... It will pass all understanding. You yourself may not even be able to understand. I don't know why I have peace in my life right now. It's just, it has to be from the Lord. Jesus in John chapter 14, verse 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace 
I give unto you. Not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And we find that the peace of God is what we need. We find that the peace of God is what our country needs and what the world needs and lost people need the peace of God and they need to be saved and saved people need to have the peace of God as well. But in this passage, we actually find something even better than the peace of God. Because in verse 7, we looked at it, it it says the peace of God. But in verse number 9, we actually find something better than the peace of God. Verse 9 says, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. This time, Paul changes the wording. He doesn't say the peace of God. He says, the God of peace shall be with you. Because what you find is that God's peace comes from God's presence. That's why he says, the God of peace shall be with you. It's when the angels came and announced to the shepherds that Jesus was born. They said, and on earth, peace. Why could they say that? They could say it because when Jesus is here, we have peace. And so rather than God telling us that peace is something we can have for the journey, God offers to go on the journey with us. Or rather, God offers to let us go on the journey with him. And if the peace of God only comes from the presence of God, then it may change the way that you think. Because when I think about, oh, I can have the peace of God, I think, all right, what are those things that maybe I need to do to be able to get the peace of God? I can keep going in the direction, and once I get the peace of God, I can have it and carry it with me for the days ahead. But if your question becomes instead, how can I get the peace of God, and it changes to how can I have the God of peace, soon it may change your direction. Because if your mindset is, well, I'm going to go this way, and this is the direction that I'm going to go, and this is the life that I'm going to live, and, and you see the Bible and say, oh, we could have the peace of God. God, can I, how do I get that peace of God? But if your mindset is now changed to how can I have the God of peace, it may change your direction. You may no longer be able to go in the direction you were going before, and you may not be able to live the way that you used to live, and you may not be able to think the way that you used to think in order to follow the God of peace. And what you find is that many animals, they just understand this concept naturally of they don't necessarily build defenses around where they are. They go to where they will be defended. In Psalm chapter 104, it talks about a number of different animals. And one of them, it talks about the conies. And it says, the rocks are for the conies. Meaning this, they know that they're vulnerable. They know that that they're in danger. And so instead of thinking about, all right, what are the things that I could do to build a wall and fortress around me? They go look for the defense place and they make their home there. And in the same way, we as believers need to make our home in Christ. And we need to follow God if we are going to have the peace of God. So the question naturally for us is, if we want to have the peace of God, have we been following the God of peace? Have you been following the Lord? Have you been going after God? And we find that in this passage, God gives us five places to which we need to follow him in order to have that peace. Number one, we see that we need to follow God to the place of rejoicing praise if we are going to have peace. Number, verse number four says, rejoice in the Lord always." And again, I say rejoice. Now this comes before he talks about the peace of God. And so the first thing that I thought was, this seems like it's out of order. Doesn't it feel like you need to have peace first? Before you can rejoice, doesn't it just seem natural? It seemed natural to me. And, and I looked at the, uh, at the passage and it says rejoice. 
And not just rejoice, but rejoice in the Lord always. Always we are supposed to be rejoicing if we are going to have the peace of God. And so I, I was looking at that and I was thinking, this seems a little bit backwards to me. That I, don't I need to have the peace of God first before I can rejoice in the Lord always? And I was reading the passage and then right there in the middle I realized, oh, the answer is of course right there. Because if you are going to be able to rejoice always, it's if you rejoice in the Lord. And let's just be honest, sometimes we rejoice in other things. We rejoice in some academic success, we rejoice in some financial success, maybe we even rejoice in some relationship success or family success or, or a career success or whatever it might be. And we look at some of those things and we rejoice in those things. And yeah, you might be able to rejoice in those things. None of those things are, are bad things necessarily to have some success in your academics or in your finances or, or any of those things. But if your joy rests in those things, what happens when your finances aren't so good? You can no longer rejoice. What happens if your family relationship is no longer so great, then your rejoicing will start to cease. But if your rejoicing is in the Lord, then you can rejoice always because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if you put your joy in that person who never changes, then yesterday if you were rejoicing, then that means today you could also be rejoicing. And that means tomorrow you could also be rejoicing. And the day after that and all throughout eternity, because if you put your joy in that which does not change, then we can have joy and rejoice in the Lord always. And I'm so glad that our God doesn't change. I'm glad that his mind doesn't change. I'm glad that his word does not change. In Luke chapter 10, here's Jesus talking to the disciples. He says, notwithstanding in this rejoice, not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And that can never be changed because Jesus never changes. And I'm so glad that I can rejoice in heaven and rejoice in salvation and rejoice in having eternal life because Jesus died on the cross and he kept his word and he never changes his mind about whether or not we can be saved and continue to have that eternal life that he will never lose it. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55, it says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth, giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can rejoice always because we rejoice in the Lord. So we need to follow him there. You may not have the best circumstances, but you can still rejoice in the Lord. You may not have the best finances, but you can still rejoice in the Lord. Maybe your family situation is not the best and, and you would rather have it different, but you can still rejoice in the Lord because you're rejoicing in the Lord. Number two, we see that we need to follow God to the place of reactions prevented. Verse five, Paul continues, says, let your moderation be known unto all men. This word moderation, it means to be gentle. It's used five different times in the New Testament. The other four are used as gentleness and and twice this word gentleness is contrasted with the word fighting or brawlers. And so we are told that we need to be gentle and not fighters. And not get into uh, conflict so easily with others. And certainly it's easy to get along with those that are easy to get along with. Because they're easy to get along with, right? But you always meet those people who are not so easy to get along with. But we need to get along with those people as well. And we are told that we need to have that gentleness and we need to have that peace with them. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, 
Verse number 21, it says, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that, we should, that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. And so here in this passage, what we find is that Jesus here is presented to us. We have the word, we have the gospels, and we have uh, the written word before us. And it was given to us as an example. Christ gave to us an example. What was that example in verse 23? It says, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Man, it's so easy to just get in a conflict or get into an argument when somebody approaches us or somebody uh, maybe has a bad day or somebody just really doesn't like us for some reason that we can't figure out. It's easy for us to maybe have some conflict with that person, but the example that Jesus left behind, and we of course know the suffering that Jesus endured on the cross and the false accusations placed against him. And the Bible says when he was reviled, he reviled not again. And instead, what he did was he committed himself to God that judges righteously. And yeah, there's going to be some unfair things that happen to you. There are going to be some things that maybe you didn't deserve. And sometimes those things, they, they can rob our peace. They can steal our peace. We say, that's not fair that that happened to me. That's not fair that they did it to me. That's not fair that I was singled out for this. And the example that Jesus left behind was, commit yourself to God. Just leave it in the hands of the Lord. He judges righteously. He sees it all. He is everywhere. And so if we understand that Jesus saw it all, God saw it all, and he judges righteously. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, it says, If it be possible, as much as, as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. And man, that, be, that makes your life so much easier when you understand that I don't have to put vengeance into my own hands and I am not the one who executes a revenge, but we can be gentle knowing the Lord saw it and the Lord judges righteously. He will repay. I can leave it in his hands. I can trust that he will deal with the situation. It's interesting in Romans chapter 12, Paul continues... He doesn't just say, leave it in the hands of the Lord. He says, therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. How do you know if you've placed yourself in the hands of God, if you've committed yourself to the Lord? It's if you do these things. If you overcome evil with good. Man, that's tough. Man, that's hard. But that's the sign that we've committed ourselves to the Lord, trusting that he will repay. And if we put our hands in the righteous judge, then, then we can live in peace knowing that he will deliver justice. Number three, we see that we need to follow God to the place of requested prayer. Verse number six says, be careful for nothing. It means don't worry over anything. Don't be full of cares over anything. He says, okay, all right, I don't, don't worry about these things. All right, so what am I supposed to do? He says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. We need to consciously be telling by prayer. Prayer should not be our last resort, but it should be our first priority. Whenever you come into a troublesome situation, whenever you have an issue or, or a circumstance that you're not sure what to do, or even if you know what to do, give it to the Lord in prayer and lay it before him. 
Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Man, there's not many things that will bring you closer to the Lord than just simply praying to him. And bringing yourself before the Lord and throwing yourself before the altar of grace and saying, Lord, I need you here. God, I need your help in this situation. So we need to be consciously telling by prayer, but we should also be ceaselessly thinking about prayer. It says, but in everything by prayer. I don't know about you, but I think if the Lord looked at my life and gave me a report, he would say, this verse is not true. It says, in some things by prayer is how you bring your prayers before me. But Paul says, if you want to have the peace of God in everything by prayer, we need to make our request to the Lord. Because only when I pray in everything can I be at peace in everything. So we need to be praying to the Lord. We sing the song, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And so we have a friend in Jesus, and so let us bring our prayers before him in everything, in every situation. I remember I was uh, listening to a preacher, and he was actually referencing another uh, man of God who was uh, a preacher himself, and he made the statement that he never prays more than five minutes at a time. Every prayer that he makes is five minutes or shorter. And to be honest, I thought, well, that, that seems a little weird. We see that the Lord, he prayed overnight before he chose the 12 disciples. And you see that people made long prayer requests. But then he continued and he said that he also never went more than five minutes without praying. Yeah, he never prayed more than five minutes, but there was never a gap more than five minutes in which he was not praying to the Lord. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. And certainly this man lived that, and I wonder if we live that. I wonder if we live with this mindset of praying without ceasing. Because if we want the peace of God, we need to pray without ceasing. But we also need to be countlessly thanking in prayer. It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication... And then Paul throws in those two words, with thanksgiving. You ever catch yourself when you pray to the Lord? You just go to him in prayer? You just, sometimes you even just, Heavenly Father, give me these things, right? I need this. Help me here. Before exams, I remember as a student, Lord, help me. <laughs> and sometimes that's the way we pray. Oh, there's something coming. God, help me in this situation. But in every prayer, we need to bring thanksgiving to the Lord. Because truly, for every difficulty in life, there has to be at least 10 blessings that the Lord has given to us. Man, we have life, we have breath, we have a wonderful church, we have the word of God, we have salvation, and the gospel has been given to us. And yes, our country may not be perfect, our church may not be perfect, our families may not be perfect, but truly God has blessed us with many things. And let us not forget to thank the Lord in every prayer that we make to him. So we need to follow God to that place of requested prayer if we are going to have the peace of God. Number four, we find that we need to follow God to the place of refined pondering. Verse number eight. It says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. God is telling us, if you have a problem with your thought life, man, you're just not going to have the peace of God. 
man, you are just going to struggle with having the God of peace. Uh, just last week, I was uh, meeting up with uh, a church member, and so we were going to go uh, to this bakery. It was Labor Day. We went, and uh, we, we got there, and he was there, and I was there, and we got uh, in, and we, we pulled out of our, our cars, and we walked up to the door, and it was closed. And so, you know, I looked at him. His name is Andrew, and so I was like, what, what, you know, what do you want to do? You want to go get some coffee? And so he's like, yeah. And so I looked it up, and, and there's a, a place around the corner called um, Tim Burton's, which uh, may not mean anything to any of us. And to be honest, it doesn't mean anything really to me either. Uh, but I had some friends from Canada, and uh, they would always bring up Tim, uh, or Tim Hortons, I'm sorry. Tim Hortons was it. And so Tim Hortons, and they're always talking about this coffee shop. And so I always thought, okay, well, I didn't know they made it to New Jersey. All right, let's go to this place. So we went to this place, and... Uh, and so we went there, and uh, it's famous in Canada, so I thought, all right, there's a maple syrup thing. And so I was like, I'm going to get this because this is the Canada thing to do, right? The Canada thing to do is to get to ma the maple syrup thing. So I got it, and uh, I was looking up later about the process for making that maple syrup. And of course, you know, it comes from the maple tree, and they tap it, and they, they get all of the sap out. But once they get it, there's still a long process before they can sell it. They say on a, on a good day, maybe 50 trees, they'll produce maybe 30 to 40 gallons of the sap, but they can't sell that because it's, it's not dense enough. And so what they need to do is they boil it. They put it into these large pots and they just boil it for hours and hours until the water is reduced. And, and then after it gets a little bit more like the maple syrup that we know, they pour it through a filter and then whatever is left at the end is that sweet maple syrup. And to be honest, our thoughts in many ways can be like that. But we have a lot of different things, but we need to boil away some of the thoughts that we have if we're going to have the peace of God. And we're going to need to filter some of our thoughts if we're going to have the peace of God. Man, it's so easy to just get locked into a track and somebody did something or we're just so used to always thinking this way or somebody said something to us or there was a situation or just you're worried about something that's coming down the road and it's just easy to get locked into that track and just stay in that track. But the Lord says that we need to filter some of those thoughts. And what is the filter that God gives to us? Well, it's right here in this passage. Whatever is true, if it's not true, then you need to get rid of that. You need to filter that thought out. And if it's not honest, then you need to filter that thought out. If it's not just or right, then we need to filter that thing out. If it's not pure, then you need to filter that thought out. If it's not lovely, lovely if it doesn't have a good report, if it's not virtuous, if it's not praiseworthy, then we need to filter those thoughts out. I live in New Jersey right now, and uh, according to Time Magazine, uh, the drivers there are the fourth worst in the country. And, uh, man, when you drive, oh, man, it's, you're risking your life every time you go out on the road. You never know what's going to happen. And, uh, and to be honest, uh, you know, I'm from Seattle, and uh, I don't know if you've ever been there, but the, the reputation is they're just super polite, real polite. And you turn on your blinker, you know, some places, man, they drive up closer to make sure you don't get in. But in Seattle, when I was growing up, you turn your blinker on, they let you in. And that's the way I grew up. And then I go to New Jersey. And man, they're locked in, like right, right behind each other. And they don't use their blinker at all because they know if they turn it on, there ain't no space. So they, and you know, I'm driving there and people do all sorts of weird things. And to be honest, the natural reaction is just, what are you doing? But those are the kinds of thoughts that, yeah, they may pop into our mind, but then we need to filter them out. 
It may come into your mind, but you need to filter that out. You need to examine the thoughts that are in your head and compare them with the Lord. Psalm chapter 119, verse 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 1 and 2 says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Keep these things in your heart and in your mind. The law of the Lord. And then it continues, For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Man, if you're struggling with your thoughts, it's just going to be hard for you to get the peace of God. So we need to learn to filter those thoughts. Lastly, we need to follow God to the place of a realized production. Verse number 9 says, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. Of course, this is the letter to the Philippian church, and I'm sure that you're familiar with it, where Paul had come to the city of Philippi, and he had led Lydia to the Lord, and then he was uh, thrown into jail, and he suffered there, and, and they were singing. They were singing praises to the Lord, and in the jail, and all of the doors had opened, and the Philippian jailer was about to kill himself, and Paul said, don't kill yourself, and then he led him to the Lord, and he led his family to the Lord, and, and the people of that church in Philippi, they saw what Paul had done. They, they heard what he had taught, and, and Paul is reminding them, I taught you the word of God. I told you what God said. And then not only did you hear it, you saw it. You saw it because you saw me live it. And you didn't just hear me say, rejoice in the Lord always. You saw me rejoice in the Lord always. You saw me in the prison rejoicing. And so you saw these things, and and he says, you know these things. You learn them, you've received them, you've heard them, and you've seen, uh, seen them in me. Now do them. And Christianity and the Christian life needs to be more than just, I know what the Bible says. If we're going to have the peace of God, we need to go beyond just learning what the Bible says and do what the Bible says. We need to make that next step of just not just knowing the Bible, oh, I know I'm supposed to forgive, I know I'm supposed to do these things, I know I'm supposed to be here or whatever. Not just knowing those things, but doing those things. Because if we don't do those things, then we won't have the God of peace. Jesus, in the, at the end of uh, Matthew chapter 7, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it, w- and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Verse 26 says, And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. If you compare those two people, the wise man and the foolish man, and you read those verses, Jesus says at the beginning, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, the difference was not that one knew and the other did not know. Both of them knew. It's just that only one of them did it. And that was the difference. The one man, he heard what the Lord had said and he did it, and that means his house was built upon a rock and He can live in peace. But if you hear the word of God and you don't do the word of God, then you're building your house upon the sand. And surely if you build your house upon the sand, you're not going to have a whole lot of peace. Every storm that comes your way, you're worried. I wonder if my foundation is going to last tonight. I wonder if my house is going to be okay tonight. And so we need to not just hear the word, 
we need to do it. And that is what will give us the peace. Of course, we know about Hurricane Katrina in 2005, hit New Orleans, and I was actually not aware of this at the time, but much later I realized that there were people who knew the situation around New Orleans. The Corps of Engineers, they had done a study, and, and basically they said the, the levees and the protections around our city, up to a hurricane level three, it'll be okay. Beyond that, it's going to be bad. In fact, one person in doing a study concluded that perhaps up to 100,000 people could lose their lives if we got hit with a hurricane level five. That study came out, and a newspaper in New Orleans reported that in 2002, three years before Hurricane Katrina came through. And here's the thing is they knew. But man, there's a lot of other things that the government was interested in putting money into. We've got to put money in this, and we've got to put money here, and we've got to pay for these things. And I have no idea all of those places. Some of those, I'm sure, were worthy. Some of those, I'm sure, were not worthy. But the point is this, they didn't want to pay the cost. It's going to be a lot to, to rebuild those things or to build up those things. It ended up costing the city, if you were to rebuild everything, $100 billion for not fixing it. There were requests made to the government, and they were continually told no. And what a shame it will be if we did not have the levies of the peace of God guarding our hearts and our minds because we did not want to pay the cost of obedience. There is a cost to getting the peace of God. There is obedience involved. Yeah, it's not always easy. It's going to be tough at times. And it's going to go against your natural reaction in many ways. But if we want to be in the presence of the God of peace, our lives must say, I am doing. Not just I am learning, not just I am receiving, not just I am hearing, not just I am seeing, not just I know, but I am doing. Have you been doing what the, what the Lord has told us to do in his word? Because until we do so, we won't have the God of peace. So do you have the peace of God in your life? Do you have, rather, the God of peace with you? Are you following after the Lord? And God tells us if we are going to be in the presence of the God of peace, we need to follow him. We need to follow him to the place of rejoicing praise and reactions prevented and of requested prayer and refined pondering and the place of realized production. We need to follow the Lord if we are going to have the peace of the Lord.